So, Vic, have you ever just jumped 20 years? Into the future? Yes. The only reason I ask Why? Why is... Why do you be- ask? Yeah. Uh, I'm asking because we go from Halloween's 1 and 2, and now we're 20 years into the future. Wait, I thought this movie was about Michael Myers drinking water. No. H2O, right? It's all about water. H-duo. Oh, okay. I was saying, I thought we could celebrate this movie by just drinking a lot of water today, but I have coffee and you have Mountain Dew, so forget about that. Mm-hmm. We'll just assume that it... We'll assume with your assumption that it means 20 years later, and they're not talking about Michael being dehydrated. Well, apparently, the H2O is the O is not actually an O. It's zero for 20. 20 years later. Yes. Now, wait a minute, man. We just watched part <laughs> six, The Curse of Michael Myers. Is this 20 years after The Curse of Michael Myers, or are we creating a new timeline here? We're creating a new timeline oh, because, God. honestly, something don't make sense, so we're changing it. Well, this, this series is definitely going to become a big fan of creating new timelines. And by then this thing, we're going to have a complete choose-your-own-scare adventure, 75 different timelines. So you might as well get the ball rolling with H2O, which brings back Laurie Strode. Wait a minute. Actually, well, her name is Carrie Tate now. Oh, uh, it's Carrie Tate because if you look on the back wall, during the opening credits after our doctor lady who used to take care of Loomis. Uh, Nurse Miriam. Yeah, she was in one, two... That was it. Uh, <laughs> She'll be in some future sequels, but we'll get to. We've already covered those. So. Yeah. Either way, so she she dead. Loomis is um Loomis is dead, and we're looking at the back wall that has Laurie Strode's picture saying she died in a car accident. Ah yes, and if we remember Halloween four, she did in fact die in a car accident. But this movie's gonna tell us she didn't actually die. She faked her death and um to get away from Michael. The the real question I got I got a question. Is this really a new timeline, or is this still make it four, five, and six canon? If that's true, this is a bad mom. Very bad mom. Now, okay, the official word from the creators of this movie are that it is a new timeline, picking up from where part one and two, four, five, and six. So that's the official canon, is that it's not canon. But fans over the years have always theorized, can you fit four, five, and six in this timeline in a way that makes sense logically? It's a very high coincidence that she happened to fake her death in this timeline. And in part four, we know she died in a car accident, supposedly. Allegedly, yep. Uh, here's the, the, the problem, as you said, though, if, if she did, in fact, fake her death and move to wherever, she's the worst mom of all time. Yeah, she literally left a little girl alone. With Michael Myers. With Michael Myers. Little, and the little girl knows about Michael Myers. <laughs> and the little girl thinks her mom is dead. She goes to a foster family, basically, and ends up having the worst life ever. After that, yeah. You know. So it's hard to believe that Lori was like, I'm going to fake my death and leave my child to be massacred by Michael. Kevin Williamson, or actually the original writer, this was uh, I think a name, guy named Frank Zappa, or Frank Gap, I think. But when he was writing the original script, he had the scene where Lori's in the classroom or Carrie Tate's in the classroom with her students. And one of the students comments on Jamie Lloyd being killed by Michael Myers. And that makes Carrie run to the bathroom and throw up at hearing the news, basically. So that was in the first draft of the script. But somewhere along the lines, somebody came along just like, all right, let's not even try to make that make sense. Because then it becomes, well, is she left her child there? Does that make sense? So they had to eliminate that. And then also... If you count four, five, and six, how do you reconcile the whole thorn thing? So we have to go with the producer's cut for that one. Where Loomis gets the thorn tattoo. And then when he dies, the cult of thorn was diminished because he did nothing with him because he wanted it to die. In which case, Michael is now set free to kill everybody. I'm with that. The problem is when this movie came out, H2O, nobody had seen the producer's cut. That only started to gain traction in the last like 10, 15 years. So we have to go by the theatrical, and that doesn't really. Which if they had, this movie still makes it nice for you because they mentioned Loomis does die a few years ago in this, which means Michael must not have killed him if uh, four, no, five, and six is canon. And, and all the other timelines, Loomis always dies like by old age or by some other reason, but Michael never actually kills Loomis in the timelines. Now, actually, I know one timeline where Michael kills Loomis, Rob Zombies. Oh, God. <laughs> and we got to go over those after Resurrection. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Nurse Miriam, who is in Langdon, Illinois, not quite Hadfield, but somewhere pretty close. Yep. We pick up on Halloween Eve, pretty much the day before Halloween. Mm-hmm. And Where Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in this movie. Yeah, really early appearance for him before shooting off to 
stardom, basically. Someone breaks into her house, makes a mess of her office. What, well, what would you do if somebody, okay, if you came home from work, you walk up to your front door. Yeah. Not only is the house broken into, yeah. there's like glass everywhere on the front porch, the door is open, and also you're Nurse Miriam, so you do have this history with Dr. Loomis. Does your mind immediately go to, oh, crap, that, this must be Michael Myers? No, uh, but I am wondering one thing. She steps on glass before she even enters the house, right? Correct. So you're telling me someone breaks into the, the house and then breaks the glass from the inside to have the glass outside? Well, Michael's MO is not breaking and entering, so he's an idiot as a... <laughs> in terms of a robber, he would be a complete idiot because he's leaving all this evidence around where theoretically you would sneak in quietly without making any kind of all this evidence. You wouldn't break stuff up. You would just quietly get what you need and slip out. But Michael is an idiot. He's like, I'm going to break this glass because I'm Michael Myers. Uh, uh, here's, here's the real question. We've seen Michael get into a house quietly without breaking anything. How the fuck did he do it this time? <laughs> he, <he's, laughs> did he like shove his hand into the door, hey break man, the glass? Hey, man. This is 20 years later. He's gotten dumber over the years, all right? Well, he, he, he has probably, to become wiser to become dumber. No, what had probably happened is uh, he got an infection from all those burns from part two. So now his brain is slowly dying and he's gotten dementia. Well, another thing you'd have to ask here, Michael, okay, we, we're going to surmise that from this movie. The last 20 years, he's been working at a Denny's in Idaho or just living his life, living his best life somewhere. <laughs> no, he's he's been in a sewer with his best friend, Corey. Oh, yeah. He's been getting bullied for 20 years by Corey, getting yep. beat up once a week. And getting uh, his mask taken finally, once a week. he escaped the sewer and was like, you know what? I'm going to find out what old Lori Strode <laughs> is up to. Lori did fake her death. Yes. So Michael, that mind control guy with his family, must still sense her out there somewhere. He's like, I don't think she really died. I I, pre- I feel her presence or something. Because otherwise, he would just have face value be like, hey, she died in a car accident. We're good. <laughs> There's some other things you can think about, though. He comes to the place where Loomis was staying, pretty much. Yes. Which means he had to have been following Loomis these past 20 years in order to find out where the hell he's staying. And again, just to, again to show that he has some respect or something with Loomis where he doesn't want to bother him, he goes there when Loomis is already has already died. For twenty years, he doesn't just come try to attack Loomis. He's like, okay, I don't want to deal with Loomis. He's gone. <laughs> now I can go. In the story, he's going there to find information about Lori. Yes. Or is he just going to kill Marion and happens to stumble upon nah, a I file? Don't, I don't think so. Why would he give a shit about Marion? But the real question Unfinished I got. Unfinished business. Real question I got. To my knowledge, Miriam was pretty much his caretaker when he got older and wasn't able to actually do yeah. things for himself. Okay, cool. But that would mean he's retired. And I don't think retired doctors are allowed to take their doctor's notes with them. Those would be left at whatever hospital or company he worked with. I'm with you on that. So how is it that if we're assuming this is Miriam's house, how does Miriam have Lori Strohs? Because she, he was never, she was never Lori Strohs' doctor. Honestly, same with Loomis. He was never Lori. But I guess with Loomis, it was kind of... So there's a couple of problems with it. So Loomis, by proxy, is Michael's doctor. So Lori is somehow attached to Michael because of everything that happened. But to your point, the files wouldn't be there probably if they were there. And that's a big leap for Michael to think that the files would be there. So he gets very lucky that they are there. Mm -hmm. Even if they were there, though, if you're Dr. Loomis, the one thing you probably want to keep super protected is Laurie Strode's identity. It would probably be like locked up in a safe or something. It wouldn't be like in the bottom right drawer that Michael opens up right in the room. It's like, oh, Laurie Strode's file, new identity. I would think Loomis would be a little bit better about protecting that information. The real right? question I got is, how would he even get this information that she even... Because that certificate, if she faked her own death, would have just shown Laurie Strode's death date. Instead, it wouldn't have her actual name because it would be a completely different name. She would most likely have a different uh, social security number. Technically, when you change your identity like that, you're a different person. My my take is that Loomis was in on it. Maybe Loomis, maybe Loomis recommended to her like, hey, he won't stop coming for you. I shot him six times. He'll come back for you. So maybe Loomis was actually in on the plan for her to fake her death. Maybe they were cool enough to where like, she's like, I'm thinking about this. And Loomis is like, yeah, probably the best thing for you is to go start a new life somewhere. And then he just keeps it all on file instead of burning it him damn self. He, he assures her. He's smart enough. He assures her, hey, I'll protect your files at all costs, even though it's in the bottom right drawer <laughs> in his that, bedroom. With what we know of Loomis, he was smart. He would be smart enough to know, oh, you're changing your name. I don't want, even though I'm going to forget you, I don't want Michael to come find it and find out yourself. I just thought of something. Huh. 
Loomis has all his files somewhere protected, right? Yes. When he dies, they send all those files to Miriam's house. Because they're like, he's dead. We can't keep this anymore. You're in charge of all his possessions now. So they send all his possessions to her. And she, probably not believing Michael, all this stuff, caring less, is like, I'll just put this under the bed in my bedroom. Or this will go in the closet. So maybe she was the one that was careless after he died. That would make kind of makes sense. That one would make sense. But the real question I got is why would they have Laurie Strode's file with such a high priority, especially with the killer still missing for those 20 years, able to just be grabbed? Because it's 20 years later. In that 20 years, new management has taken over. People have forgotten about it. People don't care as much. It's 20 years later. People get careless with files and stuff. They're not on high alert. They're like, okay, it's been 20 years. He's probably gone. Oh. The bottom line is this this whole thing is very convenient for Michael <laughs> to make the leap of first, hey, I'm going to go to Miriam's house to find information about Lori, which on the surface, again, doesn't make any sense. But he goes there. He finds the file. Now, another question. In this movie, Michael's MO basically is just to, we'll see, pretty much not kill anybody who's not in his way. Yep. He's strictly eyes on the prize trying to get Lori. Yep. He gets the file. Why does he hang around to kill them afterwards? Shouldn't he be on his way after getting the file? Well, Joseph, mission, mission accomplished, Michael. No reason to bring attention to yourself. I know, I know why you're ready. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt is because he's a little shit and stole beer. Deserves death. The frame he's just, been suspended two times this year, <laughs> this semester. Don't yep. mess with him. <laughs> yeah, Principal Michael got a hold of him. The friend just didn't leave him fast enough. The friend should have left. I, I think by the time Miriam gets home... Michael should be gone already, in my opinion. He's already, he's in there. He's gotten it already. She goes to Jimmy's house next door. She hangs out there for probably at least 10, 15 minutes. Mm. Michael's just like, you know, since I'm here, I might as well kill her, I guess. But it doesn't fit his MO for the rest of the movie, just on his way. Actually, I know why. Because Miriam would most likely, you know, she does it. She goes through the house, finds out that Lori Strode's file is missing, even though Michael just conveniently leaves the whole folder. Okay. Um, notices it's missing, and because Michael didn't kill her, hey, yeah, uh, this is the person you need to go find. She's in danger. Because in that file, is going to uh, have her new name, new address. If she's alive, then she's immediately like, oh, yeah, Lori's file's gone. Yeah. But in killing her also, it's kind of like... I don't know I why guess, you killed I, the other two kids. I guess that news wouldn't necessarily get to Lori. No. But if Lori did find out that Nurse Miriam has been killed mysteriously, mm-hmm. she's going to be on super high alert then. But maybe that news just doesn't get to her. Right. I mean, and, the author- all- and the authorities don't know she faked her death, right? So they're not going to contact her. Right. They contact Haddonfield. Because you hear right before the opening credits, the cops like, well, we don't need this happening again. Contact the police in Haddonfield. Even all that said, let's go back to this. You killed the neighbors just because he sounded like a little punk when he was in the house. And he was like talking trash. Like, why... Why walk over there and kill the neighbors? They're just two teens. Honestly, I don't know. Michael, but, Michael's like, they stole the beers, they got to die? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They stole the beers, they got to die. Uh, I wish Death two beers. I <laughs> wish we would have seen this death. A, a, skate, a skate in the face? I wish we would have seen that actually happen. <laughs> we see the end result, but that is fun to watch. Okay, so all, all plot contrivance aside, Michael kills the neighbors, and you'll notice in this opening scene, interesting enough, they're using the mask from part six. Yes. So Michael looks very cool in this opening scene because they're using a good mask, you don't see his eyes all over the place. Right. In terms of his strength, though, we'll notice that Miriam easily could have escaped her. She beats him up pretty much so with the, the poker. The part that annoys me is she breaks the window and then screams, I'm next door, then dies. Yep. Lady, jump out the fucking window. I would have just ran. <coughs> I would have not worried about the window. I would have just kept going to the front door pretty much. Ran around. that. But when, you get, when she got cornered and she broke the windows, like you have an escape route. Well, not that, though, but she hit him to the ground. Just keep hitting him. She, tur- <laughs> she turned to the window to do that, but it's like, I guess that makes sense in, to some degree, but even if they come over there, they're going to take a few minutes to come over there. Michael's right there next to you. The immediate threat is to make sure he's on the ground. Mm. Stab him with your poker. Keep hitting him. <laughs> run, run away from him. It's a good end for that character, who we know from the first two. Well, it's definitely a better end than what she got in Halloween Kills. That was the worst end. <laughs> this is for Dr. Loomis. Click, click. click. Oh! And Michael's just like, really? It's like, Dr. Loomis, really? You gonna, you gonna shot my doctor out and then not have no, gun, no bullets in the gun? <laughs> that's, what, that's what you're gonna do? Right. <laughs> She's like, you're the worst nurse ever. Um, so the good thing is Michael has a new car now. Hey, did he take Jimmy's car? Yes. <laughs> Man, Jimmy's cool high school car, gone. Oh, and then it complete, the tire completely shatters, explodes, 
what the fuck did Michael run over with this tire? But he hasn't needed a new car. He's got to get a new car, which means we're at a shitty rest stop. This looks like a rest stop from the 1800s. I don't understand. This looks like a rest stop that belongs in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a suspenseful scene with the bathroom. Mm-hmm. The movie, this movie is not scary at all, but this is one scene at least where you kind of have some suspense with Michael. They're both, uh, the mother and daughter are in the bathrooms. You hear some, a little bit of noise outside pretty the much. The door closing. Yeah. Which the door opens and closes by itself because of the wind. And then Michael grabs her purse. And this scene was cool enough that you notice that they they try to do it over again in the new series, and then also somewhat in the Rob Zombie one, I think. But except with Rob Zombie, they well in the new one too, they get killed. This one, Michael keeps them a lot, lets them live. It's the, like I got what I needed from you, as long as you don't come after me. <laughs> well, even she looks out the stall and sees him walk by, and you see Michael actually look back and think about it, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Nah, I'm good." He's wasted too much time already. It's Halloween. Yeah, I think I think again. That's why I'm like surprised that he killed the neighbors in the beginning because this Michael is more like the first one where he's clearly only focused on killing people that are in the direct way of him and Lori. It seems like. You know, what? I think I know why he killed Jimmy for his car. Maybe that. Even though he could have taken Miriam's car. Um. Anyway. I, I, yeah, I, I guess he does need to escape route. So taking Jimmy's car is a little bit less suspect than taking. Miriam's car, but the cops eventually going to be like, Miriam's dead body's over there. Uh, the car was stolen. They got to put two and two together here and be like, but they're already, they make the cops in the beginning already be like, this could have been Michael Myers. They're already like, they're already like, it's Michael Myers, call Haddonfield to like, give him a warning. Because at the time, they think, you know, Lori's dead. Michael might be ha- heading back to Haddonfield for another fun time. But he's got bigger sights, which means California. California. Which, let me just say, California, this movie loses all Halloween feel when you get to the school. Which is also weird because... Uh, it's a weird setting for a Halloween movie. It's a weird setting for a Halloween movie. It's also weird because you see everyone out in the town trick-or-treating, yet there's really no Halloween decorations. Yeah, it feels like a normal day. It doesn't feel like <laughs> Halloween. It's like, where's the... If, if you're doing trick-or-treating in the town, not like a suburban neighborhood, where are the decorations? That opening scene in the... And uh, Langdon, that feels like Halloween. Well, yeah, because you got decorated. the pumpkin and all that yeah. stuff. That's all you want in a Halloween movie. You want some Halloween feel. But this movie could have taken place in April, for all we know. It probably did, for all we know. Probably. April, April Halloween. Carrie Tate. Who? Carrie Tate. Who the fuck is Carrie Tate? She's the headmistress of this elite school. Why do in you California. say let's catch up with her as if we already know her? <laughs> we do know her. <laughs> How? Because we recognize her as Laurie Strode. Uh, see, you should have just said that. Now, let me be honest about this. I think this is the best Jamie Lee Curtis performance in the series. Fair. And it's the best representation of Laurie Strode. And best, better representation of someone who's gone through some shit and still traumatized by it. She's turned to alcohol. <laughs> yep. She's paranoid. Yep. She has a bad relationship with her kids because of the trauma from previously. And overprotective. You get the good stuff from and the And, of new- course, you know, she's a really bad mom by letting her daughter die, but... You get the good stuff from the new series in terms of, like, the relationship with her kids and all that. But it's just more realistic that you wouldn't stay in Haddonfield. To me, my problem with the new series is always, like, to start over and move on, you would move to a different town. It makes sense to me that she's created a new identity but still is having bad nightmares mm-hmm. and um, still really can't get over it, per se. Especially since, remember, there is that psychic connection between brother and sister. Sure, they're not twins. Well, and in this timeline, <laughs> also, the thing is, like, this timeline, she tells her son pretty much, like, he's like, hey, you saw him burn. She's like, they never found his body. So, yeah, if you never found his body, clearly, anybody's going to be kind of paranoid at that point. Yeah, so, it's also funny, because how is this the same Laurie Strode that leaves her daughter alone in Haddonfield, but then tells her 17-year-old son who his uncle is? There you go. Actually, I figured it out. So, after the events of 4, 5, and 6, she actually did read read what happened to Jamie. So instead of repeating that, she went and told his her son. No. No. Okay. There there's there's <laughs> there's too many things. They have the cops at the beginning basically say like he's been missing for 20 years. So that's a cop saying that. Yeah, but this is those Langdon cops. Yeah, but they would have heard that's close enough to Hadfield. They would have heard about 50 people dying in 4, 5 and 6. Allegedly. 
(laughs) And then both Lori and her son both agree with the idea that he's been gone for 20 years. Well, her son's not going to sit there and read the news. He's 17. Would you read the news at 17? No, but I think she would at least keep tabs a little bit. Apparently she's, not. She didn't even know her daughter was dead. She's parent. <laughs> <laughs> this is why four, five, six doesn't work in this timeline. It doesn't. Uh, I want to believe, but I just can't do it. Uh, uh, you want to believe that Lori's a bad mom? Well, she's a bad mom in both in both times. Either way, so no, eh, fair. maybe not a bad mom, but she cares about her son here, and she's overprotective. She doesn't want him to go to this on this camping trip. Yosemite, which to be fair, probably would have been the safest place for him. But again, it makes me feel like, is this Halloween time? That feels like a weird Halloween trip. Like, we're going camping. Well, it's also California. California is warm almost all year round. That's true. Sure, That's... it may be get chilly enough to wear a long sleeve shirt, but... How far is the drive from <laughs> Illinois to California? Because uh... they had a time this out because they have Michael in California pretty quickly. Yeah, they did. They had him there, what felt... Well, remember, he did... Uh, well, <sighs> the opening is, I think... I a... feel like he could have made it in one day, but it would be dark. The opening is either the day before Halloween or two days before Halloween. Well, you said ho- you said it should be like Halloween. It was two days before. It, it, it sense. showed the day, but I don't remember if it said October 29th or October 30th. I think it probably said to the 29th because I'm guessing it needs two days to get to California. Okay, so Illinois to California, nonstop driving 31 hours. So he would not have been able to make it if it was Halloween Eve. <laughs> Well, Even like, nonstop driving. Nobody can drive 31 hours straight anyways. I this know. is Michael we're talking about. Yeah, but come on, man. <laughs> he has stopped for gas at least a couple times. That's Well, and apparently new tires. Yeah. Or maybe just maybe that's what that one scene signified. He ran out of gas. Then he found somebody to take their vehicle. There's probably a line of bodies that we don't know about. Well, he showed up at the same, the same vehicle, though, in California. Oh, yeah. So. We see he t- used that same car. So to get depending there. on the vehicle, it could have really good gas mileage. No, he had to stop for gas. <laughs> uh, and all that, he still has to eat. I mean, he has to have food. I mean, come on. It's Michael fucking Myers. He probably ate a dog. There was probably a dog in the back seat. I'm guessing Michael doesn't like killing on an empty stomach. That's all I'm saying. He's some protein, man. Some energy. They probably ate a dog, right? Yeah, there's probably a dog in the back seat. No, no, this is the only movie that does not have a dead dog. In the Halloween well, franchise. This version of Michael definitely does not have horportation because he's killer. He has to drive. No, I I beg to differ when we get to one scene. Okay. Well, let's talk about Lori getting drunk at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And the waiter being like, she asked for a second glass of wine and her first glass of wine is already there. It's still there. And he's looking at her like very judgmental. He's like, she's like, now, today. No, yeah. I'd be, I'd be the same. Like, can I get another Mountain Dew? They look at her like, today. I didn't, I didn't fucking stutter. And then uh, she happens to run into her son. And, and friend. Who the friend has. See, this whole alcohol bit under the... It should have been a funny scene. Yeah. With him trying to keep it hidden and her be like, why the fuck are you acting so weird? What What do you got in there? This movie has no comedy at all. No. Not even like... I can't even trace like maybe maybe outside of the little LL Cool J talking to his wife. Yeah. There's no levity or comedy here at all. Speaking of LL Cool J talking to his wife, his wife's fucking hilarious. <laughs> She's been like supporting him while he's trying to write his book and all that, but it's clearly not working out according to her. So, and, and I love the when he's sitting there reading it to her, and she's like, "Man, I hope he don't fall for that shit." <laughs> <laughs> That's the only comedy, but other than that, there's no. This is a very serious tone, mm-hmm. and because of that, I wish the movie was scarier. Yeah, because the movie wants to be serious, but it's just not scary at all. There's like no scares in this movie. Well, there's not. There's not really all that much in favor of kills either. That that's a th- the line it's walking here because it's trying to be like the first movie where it's not gory and it's more about suspense. But it's like the suspense doesn't work here. It's not. Yeah, if you don't have scary. if you don't have the suspense, you gotta make sure the kills are good. If you don't have the kills, well then, no, nah, the movie's pretty much PG thirteen. I would say, <laughs> like I can't think of anything. Language. That would even warrant the R rating, honestly. Language. Oh, yeah, she drops some F-bombs for sure. A few of them. But I think a lot it, of them. I think if it came out today, it might be PG-13. It no, because I think she said more than one fuck. But I don't know if they're all needed. But I think the only one that's probably needed is when she's actually talking to John outside of the school when she finds him and his friend. Because ah, that one, you know, she she's tipsy. She's pissed. That makes sense. That would make sense to warrant that because now she's like, well, now i got to punish you. Because you did something stupid. And it's some weird ironic thing because 
her his, his old thing initially was to get her to let her to go let him go to Yosemite. Yes. But when she said no, he immediately made a new plan to skip Yosemite and stay at the school. Yes. Especially so, since he found out his girlfriend ain't going. So unintentionally though, if he if she had just given permission in the first place, maybe he'd be safe in this movie and gone to Yosemite with his friends. And then she would have to somehow fight Michael Myers when she wouldn't have even known he was even on campus in the first place. But he then, is the reason she knows. There's a couple problems with the plot. We'll get into in a second, by the way, as I'm thinking about this. But uh, let's <laughs> a get couple. Let's get to one thing. Let's try to figure out what the hell Michael's plan is here because he's parked maybe like a mile or two away from the school on the yes. side of the road. Yes. I know Michael has like mind connections, stuff like that. Yes. But there's no way that he knows that the entire school was leaving for a trip. There's, there's no there's no way he would know this. Doesn't make sense. He didn't. He's he's just, he just watched the, all the buses leave and goes, oh, that's my time. But they do it like <laughs> they do it in a way like some gotcha, like it's this clever plot by Michael to be like, oh, now he's coming. It's like, so he was going to just sit on the side of the road all night until the bu- until buses came? I so I think, I think what it is is you do see him kind of stalking the school out on foot. Maybe there was kids talking about it where he's able to hear. Yes. So then, then he puts the plan together. <laughs> Even though all the kids were in class at that time. <laughs> From where he's standing, there's the security thing, and then there's a big walkway to where you get before you get to any like. Well, remember kids. he uh he also ends up at some kind of locked door in front of the window where the girlfriend's looking out of. So the, we get that window shot again. The the only thing I could make sense of is that he's in the town when Lori's at the restaurant getting drunk mm-hmm. and her son's there maybe her son is talking with the kid his friend maybe michael overhears that right from this also it seems like michael realizes that's her son from seeing them interact, interact. it's just like a, it's kind of like scream 2 where like michael's getting very lucky here with everything to break into Miriam's house and find Lori's real identity or now he comes three. here on the one day where the school is emptying out it's very fortunate for michael so far scream 3 that guy was very lucky since he was the only one doing shit himself. Roman was very lucky. <laughs> now let's get to Michael coming to the school. And this is a very interesting scene to me because you don't have an army at the school. You just have LL Cool J, one security guard. Yep. Who's on the phone. Talking to his wife. When Michael first pulls up, he gets out the car very quickly because the car pulls up and you see LL walk outside and Michael's the front door is open. Michael's already gone. Yep. What? I'm pretty sure he also honked too. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you honked. I don't think you honked. Oh, okay. Either way, so he gets out. LL, for some unknown reason, decides to open the gate to investigate. And I'm just like... Which he should already know. That's a no-no. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, it is Halloween, too. Especially since you were also already given the stink eye by your boss yeah. of keep your eyes open. And so you open the gate just to walk through and check on this abandoned car who you can clearly tell no one's sitting in. In, in most movies... 99% of movies. They this, do this anyway. This scene would be a death scene for LL Cool J. Mm-hmm. Because Michael is determined to get into the school now. The school's emptied out. He don't need no security guard running around causing problems with his plan. Especially if this school allowed the security guard to have a gun. That's where I think this scene is headed because LL comes back into his little security station. But then you keep seeing Michael in the background like scoping him out. <laughs> turning his face, looking all creepy. But then after a minute, LL... First of all, I was inside by himself, so Michael just could come in. But then LO just walks out again. Michael can attack him, but doesn't. And then, and I have a real problem with this. And then, cut to break. He attacked him off screen. <laughs> no. Oh. So yeah, I mean, here I'm thinking LL is a dead man. <laughs> but LL is maybe, as you said, maybe it's in his contract or something. But the problem is in the story. Why doesn't Michael kill him? Because Michael's a bitch. Michael is afraid of LL. <laughs> I think, I hate to say it, but one of the problems with this movie is that this is a very unintimidating. It's the eyes. <sighs> it's the fact you can see his damn eyes. It's kind of hard to be intimidated by bright blue eyes. <laughs> he, he just looks like he's a lanky, like, in the first movie, it was okay. He just still seemed intimidating in the first movie. But maybe it's the mask or something. But in this one, he just seems like a goofy dude with bedhead. His hair is distracting. I hate it. <laughs> his hair looking like that, him looking like he has an orange bedhead, it just is very distracting. Yeah, at least they didn't just randomly change color for one scene. Oh, yeah, that was pretty bad. For part four, yes. Yes. Uh, it's like as if he just saw Pennywise's deadlights. 
how he looks in that one scene in part four where it all changes, that's how he looks in this entire movie. I think Michael scoped out LL and was like, you know, I don't think I can take him. And then he went about went along his way. He's like, I just hope he doesn't come back later on to ruin my plan. So, Which he doesn't, to be fair. He doesn't, but he gets lucky because someone else takes on LL. It doesn't work for him. But he, he wanted no business with LL, which will lead into eventually resurrection where he doesn't want anything to do with Bust either. <laughs> and it makes me think that Michael is a scared little punk. I just think if, if you're going to be this serious, you need to make sure it's like really scary. Mm-hmm. And this movie does not have the suspense to justify the seriousness of the tone. Well, how about we get to some of the kills finally? If you want to call these kills, we can call these off-screen shenanigans. Yes. Well, the first off-screen kill is Charlie. Charlie, we never knew you. Nope. No, he's not doing very well when he runs into Michael. And I don't know about you, but the whole scene with him sticking his hand down to get the corkscrew, I was always expecting Michael to just end up next to him and flip the thing on because they focus on that so long. That would have been way better than what we got because we didn't <laughs> get anything. Oh, but by the way, one thing to mention. When he looks at Michael... And they show Michael. That's actually a CGI Michael. <laughs> the, the mask is CGI. Why? If you freeze frame on that, I was watching behind the scenes. That's, I don't know. They, they didn't have the mask, so they had to CGI the mask there. Why? It just Then don't make the damn shot. This mask is a mess. There's three different masks used in the movie after the opening scenes. So oh, my god! Michael has randomly different masks in different scenes. It's a mess. Was the opening scene, like, shot first for, like, three years before they shot the rest or something? While they were shooting, they didn't know what they wanted to do with the mask. So they used the initial one, Halloween 6, as a placeholder until we get the mask we want. They should have just but kept it with Halloween 6. I don't, so there's really no, like, internet feedback back then, so I don't think they realized that people liked the Halloween 6 mask. <clears throat> like, or even... That they could have brought back the Halloween 6 actor and people would have liked that. There was just not enough. You didn't have the internet feedback back then for the fans to be like, hey, we like this. <laughs> so I guess they were like, let's just separate ourselves from that. Even though, like I said, you use the mask for the first mo- first scene. Yeah, it makes no sense why you just dump the mask you use in your first scene. Anyway, so... So uh, Charlie dies off screen. Yep, and then his girlfriend, who has the only actual kind of brutal death... In terms yes. of what happens to her. So she tries to run. She gets stabbed. Then Michael decides, I'm going to cut the rope of your little dumb waiter and is going to just crush your foot. Yikes. Pretty sure she would not have been able to get her foot out of there without some kind of leverage off her foot, but she does. Well, I felt less bad about her dying because I was like, well... Your leg's destroyed anyway, so instead and of going through a year of rehab, you might as well just look, die. <laughs> and this is where I say Michael does still have horror protection. She starts crawling, and you're, unless you ended up passing the fuck out, how did he go up at least one floor? Well, you hear him walking, and then you see his shadow coming. But there so. was no stairs anywhere near them for that to happen that quickly. He's a fast walker. Maybe... What we didn't see was him running up the stairs. <laughs> you when, would hear when, that. When nobody's looking. Uh, I just think, I don't know. I, I can't scream. This is definitely a show of horror portation because I feel like in order to get up there, he would have to go into the hallway, run all the way to the end of the building, <laughs> run up the stairs, Whee! run all the way back to find whatever room she's actually in. And he's not even out of breath when he gets there. He, just, <laughs> he looks like pretty much like, wee, that was fun. I walked, <laughs> called me up the stairs. Right. Um, and you're telling by then she could have at least found a hiding spot, but the amount of time it took for her to get out of there and him to end up up there, she had no time. She barely had time to get out of the damn dumb waiter. Unfortunately for her, she chose her friends unwisely, unknowing that one of her friends happened to be Laurie Schroed's son. Yeah, fair. This is wrong time, wrong place, pretty much. Well, she you, you should have went to Yosemite. Yeah, because her and Charlie both could have. But they decided to stay there to have a group orgy. And basically to have the school food from the cafeteria from the day. They well, this is food. a private school. The school food's probably pretty good. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, and they knew how to cook Especially it. with this. They knew, they knew how to make it like off the top, though. Yeah, so. especially with this girl, considering the fact she's apparently a foodie. She said she even tells her boyfriend's like, look, if you marry me, you're going to have to deal with me being a whale. <laughs> well, how does she feel for dessert? A knife in the back. Oh, she gets three of those. Yeah. Well, extra extra servings for Michael, so. Exactly. All right. He probably ate her spine a little bit. That's true. Um, okay, so 
the two main teen characters are Josh Hartnett, who is playing John yep. Tate. Yep. And then Molly, who's played by Michelle Williams, who's actually a really famous actress now, too. No one cares. Uh, um, she literally <laughs> gets nominated for like an Oscar like every year. Like she's the I, most successful person from this cast. So I mean, what, what movies have she been in? I don't recognize her. They're very high quality movies, not the type that you would oh, be okay. They're not going to be in the Walmart bin for five dollars. So. Oh come on! I don't even watch Walmart bin movies. Yeah, I do, but that's <laughs> you buy them. <laughs> uh, no, she's a highly. I'm telling you, she's like a highly. Well, hold up! Actress. I got the classic movie monsters from the five dollar bin Ooh. at Walmart, sir. Oh, okay. Six of them. Oh damn! All right. Um, okay. Well, I do like this whole chase scene. You do. Yeah, with the where they're where they're in the gate and like uh, Michael's coming and she drops the keys. That's actually you're, pretty. You're, that's a one moment of suspense that I like. You're telling me that you like the one scene that showed Michael as a fucking idiot. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> he, he takes a couple minutes and then he realizes the keys are on the ground. He saw her drop them. No, no. So and then he shoves his knife no. in there, knowing we've, full well he can't reach. We've had this argument before. When Michael walks, he looks like straight ahead. But like only like at his level. So his ears don't work either. No. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, I just thought that was one. It was almost as bad as part as part two's ending with him just wildly swinging. It's just him shoving his knife and there's like, hey, come closer. Let me stab you. When he finally gets the keys, that's at least a moment of suspense there because they're screwed unless Lori comes and opens the door. Carrie comes and opens the door. Which, you know, that's a one in a million chance thing is how she was in a different building when we last saw. Oh, look, she's there. <laughs> I, I'm just a sucker for all chase scenes. I love people running and like somebody running after them. So I love all chase scenes. For the Did most you time. like the fact that he got Molly Wop by Molly? No. I think that, okay, Miriam pretty much kicked his ass in the, in the opening. Yes. Molly, I mean, I understand Molly's like a strong teenage girl. And she has a rock. She has a rock. But Michael like flies to the ground like he got hit like like by Mike Tyson. Yeah, why did? How come Josh this Hartnett? Is a, this is a weak Michael. So Josh Hartnett, who we've seen fight aliens, Famke Jensen, who we've seen fight vampires. Yes. After being vampired. Yes. Um, can't he, fight. He fought for the country in Pearl Harbor. But yet <laughs> he can't fight Michael, and yet everyone else can. I he gets stabbed in the leg pretty quickly, so I think once he's stabbed in the leg, he's pretty much incapacitated. Your arms still work, don't you? Yeah, but sometimes when you punch, you use your leg strength too when you punch. So, <laughs> get a, get my, when Michael was on the ground, should have just gotten on top of him, kicked his knife away, and just started wailing on him. I'll be honest. I was surprised when the end result here was Molly knocking the shit out of Michael, <laughs> and Michael being like, "Oh, fly the guy!" Like again, I'm gonna put it in the case that this is first scared of LL. <laughs> now Molly's beating his ass. After Miriam beat his ass. I'm going to put together the taste. This is the weakest Michael up until Halloween ends. Well, this is also uh, 41-year-old Michael. He's been the sewer for 40 years, I guess. 20 years. What happened to old man strength? He's 41. Come on. You don't get old man strength till you're like 60. Damn it. I got I got to wait like 35 years. Yes. Son of a bitch. I wanted that like in five years. Damn it. Lori pulls the whole, oh, you're going to think I'm in the closet, but I'm not in the closet thing. And Michael falls for it, hook, line, and sinker. He's like, I know you're in the closet again. And she outsmarts him and, again, knocks the shit out of him. Yeah, he gets well, beat up so much in this movie, it's amazing. So I just so now we're finally at the scene. That, again, could either be really bad editing. Is this you're talking about when, we, when he's walking and we see his eyes? No. Hugely? No, because this Michael always looked like he's in a state of shock for some reason. I think he looks constipated. Yeah. Uh, He's probably trying to find the bathroom and no one's letting him have a chance. <laughs> if he could just find the bathroom. For all we know, that knife is actually an enema. Um, <laughs> he drove across country. He has to be, have to, he definitely has to use a bathroom at some point. Yeah, so either way, so what, what the scene I'm talking about, it's either horror portation, somehow flipped where he can also teleport somebody else, <laughs> or the guy's an idiot. The like, directing and the editing are fucking retarded. You're talking about the counselor, aren't you? Yeah. So the counselor, as the counselor and Lori are talking, and Lori's trying to tell him, go, get out of here. I'll take care of this myself. You're going to die if you stay. Smart, That's my Lori impression. A, a smart man would have said, okay, bye. So he goes, See you later. <laughs> he goes, no, I'm going to stay with you. Lori, look out. <laughs> because 
What we see as an audience, including what he sees, is Michael. It's legitimately Michael. You see the mask. You do see Michael. Just walk around the corner. Then as he starts shooting, L.O. Cooper falls. <laughs> Why? Okay. I guess we're trying, to, they're trying to show us what the actor's saying. The actor somehow, maybe it's a delusion, but he's seeing Michael. Even though he's never seen Michael before. And LL <laughs> Cool J definitely looks a lot bigger than that. But he, the, the, the actor's never even seen Michael. He's, <laughs> like, this is his first account with Michael. The hallway is like, it's dimly lit, but it's not like darkness. So there's no reason why you can't look down the hall and see who's there. And somehow he confuses LL Cool J with Michael Myers. They don't exactly look similar. Nope. And he shoots LL Cool J in the head. Now, you could say that when Michael comes up behind him and kills him now, maybe he deserves it because he just <laughs> shot an innocent guy in the head. Yeah. And I don't like this death scene because, first he, of all, it tries to disprove my theory that Michael's a weakling in this movie because he's lifting it up with a knife. <laughs> he's like trying to show, ah, Vic, look, I can lift this guy in there. I'm like, dude, you've been getting beat up the entire movie. Don't try to prove yourself now. Get out of here. Yeah, but... What a thankless role for the the counselor. He seemed like he could have been a core character. But then they just like, you gotta go. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, didn't. And, and you know what? I'm sad for the counselor for one reason. Hmm. He never got that pierced nipples. He wanted those pierced nipples. He wanted those pierced nipples. So let's get the climax because Lori, they now, actually do outrun Michael and they have a chance to escape. And Lori said, fuck this, I'm going back in. Bold move because you Really? Could... I mean, you've already seen Michael get his ass handed to him multiple times. I think once she realized this is like not that scary of a guy, that empowered her to be like, I'm going to stay here and finish the job. If her interaction with Michael so far had been like, yo, like you hit him, he just stands or looks at you, like curse Michael, I think she would have been like, yeah, you know, let's head, let the police handle this. I'm going to go ahead and get out well, of here. Well, what's funny is you kind of see this Michael do that with Josh Hartnett's character punching him, I think, twice, and he just whips his head back around. It's like, really? That's all you got? <laughs> That makes no sense with how everybody. Anytime a woman hits him in this movie, he's down for the count. So you think he's doing it on purpose? No. <laughs> I mean, The Rock is one story, but he looks like if I had to bet, if they got into a fight, the actor who plays Michael and Josh Hartnett, I think Josh Hartnett probably wins the fight. I mean, he's fought vampires and aliens. I I know, and I think he probably they had to do that. So okay, yeah. He hits him twice and then nothing happens. But then, like, his girlfriend, who's like five foot, <laughs> it's like, Wah! Molly whops him. <laughs> and he, like, flies to the ground, like, it's like, <laughs> golly, Michael, geez. You know what? She's a Power Ranger. And and he definitely got lucky that LL got shot in the head because LL was coming to kick that ass. <laughs> <laughs> LL, who had been walking through the woods, I guess, for the last half an hour of the movie. He went on that trail and then finally shows up. Right. All late. LL is a horror portationist. Where was LL when all the teens were getting killed? Like, why couldn't you show horror up Horror portation. He's the worst security guard ever. And he, he lived. Oh, he got fired. He lived. Now he's getting fired for sure. Um, he didn't keep his eyes open. So Lori uh, knocks out the, or kills the gate. Yep. Nobody's getting out. Nobody's coming in. Yep. Even Grab, you could probably just climb it. Grabs an axe. Yep. By kicking through the thing. Yep. Which shows me that she probably is going to beat Michael's ass. Now we have probably, maybe, one of the best endings, best climactic final 20 minutes of the series. Even though this is where this Michael actually does get kind of a little bit stronger for some reason, because now he's flipping tables with just one hand, and these are cafeteria tables, so they're a little heavy. Explain to me this. <laughs> There's some scene. She's looking for Michael. So she walks walks around the campus calling his name, Michael! She finally enters into uh, the school again. She's mm -hmm. walking down the hallway. <clears throat> the hallway she's walking in, you can clearly see everything in the hallway pretty much. Yes. She somehow doesn't see Michael hiding on the ceiling. Well, who's going to look up? She walks... <laughs> From, it's not a it's not a high ceiling hallway even it's just like a normal ceiling like her walking from from back there would have seen the entire hallway in front of her yet somehow she walks past Michael being wee I'm on above and then Michael comes maybe she was just playing and joking or maybe she was tricking him 
because if I'm Michael, this is the dumbest hiding spot I've ever seen. <laughs> You're hiding on the ceiling. That's not Michael's character at all to be hiding no, in an elevated position. No, Michael wouldn't have even hit at this point. He would have just, when she started calling his name, just showed up on the other side of the hallway. Maybe behind the curtain, but he's not going to make the effort to like uh, camouflage himself on the ceiling. I feel like he'd be on the other side of the hallway. She's on the other. And they just charge each other in a very climactic way. To- but look. That speaks to his psychology. This Michael feels like he has to like catch her by surprise. He has to get her from behind. Curse Michael would have just walked up onto her, basically. Well, Curse Michael can't fucking die. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, this one has re- can regenerate too, but he feels like he has to get her from behind, which gets into like his mindset of like I'm not that strong. That shows you. Even when he attacks her from behind, he's still losing the fight pretty much. <laughs> um, the table thing again. Cool scene. Flipping the tables. It's a nice little chasing. But yet, how come we get, didn't get that kind of Michael throughout the movie? I don't know. <laughs> well, even then, like I said, it's a good scene, but he can't. He's ineffective. At the end of it, she hits him with something like a stick or something. And then, okay, when he chases her up into the little knife room thing, she's in a dead end. That should be it for her. But Michael, again, is incompetent. <laughs> he stabs through the thing, and he, the knife is stuck in the little bin thing, and he can't get it out. So, so I love and when, she kicks him in the nuts. So And he doesn't feel it. Oh, um, he does feel it. Didn't you see his eyes? He was his eyes like, like, oh, his eyes get wide, like, oh, and he reacts. He's like, oh. No, he didn't feel shit. He don't, I don't think he has one. He literally moves. He basically, she incapacitates him for at least 10 seconds there. No, but what, what I think is weird is she arms herself with two knives, right? He still has his knife stuck in the thing, and instead of using the other hand to to knock it off, yep, he starts shaking it. It's like get off. It's like it's like yeah, he's like an idiot. He's walking. He's walking towards whatever, and then he's going to get stabbed like eleven times, and then fall. When he's getting stabbed, he almost just gives up. <laughs> he he's, did give up. He's what so you... overwhelmed. <laughs> which again, this is not the Michael I grew up with. So, but. I mean, it's also not the Lori we grew up with. This Lori's. I actually- guess you could say this is Halloween Michael, but this is not Halloween Two Michael who walked in the glass. <laughs> who, you know, you shoot him, he keeps walking basically. So, I don't think this one could walk through glass. We didn't see that. Nah, I don't think it could. <laughs> um, he falls through a table and is unconscious. And LL stupidly is just like, "He's dead! He's dead!" She goes to stab Michael again, but unfortunately, LL is alive. I say unfortunately because he stops her from finishing the job. Right? How dare you, LL? So confident that he's dead, even though she's like, I don't think you know Michael. He's alive. We get our ending scene. All the cops are around, moving bodies everywhere, moving bodies where they need to go. And Lori decides to uh, kidnap the Michael corpse. Lori knows that if she leaves now... And Michael's going to the ambulance. He's not really dead. He's going to come back for her. She wants to finish the job, so she hijacks the ambulance. And she's driving down the road. Michael's in a body bag. Mm-hmm. But you start to see some stirring in the body bag. You start to see someone in there is alive and is coming too. Yep. Let's talk about it first just straight up as if it's Michael, and then we'll go back and right. talk about the alternate possibility. In this case, Michael gets out, uh, looks around for a second, sees Lori, and attacks her. And she hits the brakes heavy, and he flies to the front windshield. Whee! Quite the ride for Michael. He's going to go fall down an entire mountain, rolling, rolling, rolling. Hit Gets him against crushed. A tr- hit him against a tree, and then a van is rolling towards him, mm-hmm. and the van crushes him against a tree. And then he gets his head chopped off. When the van pins him against a tree, as we know, like, okay, now he's pretty much screwed because he's not going to push the van aside. He's not superhuman. He does reach out to, to Lori to one last chance to make some kind of relationship with her sister. Mm-hmm. But she rejects his plea, chops his head off, and we get immediately the, the original classic Halloween score plays as we hit end credits. Pretty straightforward. The most definitive death for Michael ever. A great ending of the series. And oh, wait a minute, though. There's one problem. There's a sequel. Well, the problem is that Mustafa Akkad, of course, the owner of the series. No, I mean, he's, resp- he's, he's the only reason we have sequels. Otherwise, I'm dead. But uh, one thing is he stipulated in the contract that Michael cannot be killed, period. Now, Jamie Lee Curtis didn't know this when she took on the role to come back. She assumed the whole purpose of this was for her to come back and kill Michael. Mm-hmm. So, like, halfway into production, they find out there's this contractual stipulation. They can't kill him. So she's like, okay, well, we're too far in for me to drop out of the movie. 
She's like, what can we do to make this work? And so they talk about it for a while. It's a big thing. And finally the writer's like, okay, what if, what if you think he's dead and the audience thinks he's dead? So the movie ends with everybody thinking he's dead. But we know, production side, that he's not actually dead. And we'll explain that in the sequel. And she's like, okay, as long as she thinks he's dead and the audience thinks he's dead, we can end the movie like that pretty much. So they come up with this idea that it's a paramedic at the end and not Michael. Paramedic with the same body type? Yes. With the same shocked look on his face? So Michael has crushed his voice box, as we'll find on Resurrection, so he can't talk. Now the problem is, now they filmed this ending knowing that that's what they were doing. So they try to put in a couple things to make it seem like maybe this is not Michael. One thing is, when he first raises up out of the body bag, he does look a little bit confused. He's turning his head. He's like, what's going on? <laughs> Michael typically doesn't like look confused like that. But... This one, he looked confused the whole time. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> he but looks like shot. When he comes to and finally looks ahead at Lori or Carrie Tate, most people would be like, wait, what's going on here? This person like lunges forward towards her <laughs> in a threatening manner. Right. So that's kind of Michaelish. Uh, now, so, that's one thing. Okay. I, I can disprove that already. Uh, he was looking for... Lori, he since since Michael and Lori have this connection, he can sense her. So when he wakes up, he looks to make sure she's not to his left, to his right. Looks in front. Oh, there you are. He flies out the window. Wee. Yep. <clears throat> and he gets up like nothing's wrong. And then a van slams against him at seventy-five miles an hour. Yep. And crushes him against a tree. All his bones should be broken. Yep. He should be completely dead. Yep. But he's alive. Nope. Yep. <laughs> the paramedic is live. <laughs> the paramedic is alive <laughs> after that. And the only other thing we get of this being the paramedic is he starts clawing at the mask but does not take the mask off. I don't know. Nothing. Well, everything well, else. Well, hold on though. There's that. But he also does he does reach out for help from Lori. He's like, Help me, my voice is broken. His his hand reaches out, which could be taken as Michael symbolically like reaching for help. Or the paramedic actually reaching for help, being like, Help me. But, so, but, yep. He didn't take the mask off. What was stopping him from taking the mask off if this was the paramedic? If he taken the mask off, does Lori actually know what Michael's face looked like? Like, like, what did it make a difference in the moment? He can't talk. His voice box is crushed. He can at least grunt. Lori's probably gonna think it's Michael even if she sees his face, unless it's LL Cool J. <laughs> um, when she sees a, a tall white man, she's gonna be like. It's Michael. Boom. Well, so I don't know if it helped. Unless he can talk. Well, then, Unless he can point to his wallet if he has his ID on him, which probably doesn't. So. Well, here, here's another uh, fun fact. I thought she saw his face once already in the uh, part one when she took the mask off. For 30 seconds 20 years ago. Exactly. Is she really going to recognize his face 20 years later? I'm still wondering. With He's the, probably had plastic surgery. <laughs> I'm still wondering the odds of Michael finding a paramedic with the same body type. <laughs> Crushing his voice box, changing uniforms with him. Which, by the way, also that means that Michael is strong enough to crush somebody's voice box with his bare hands. I can buy that. The same Michael that gets Molly whopped by three different people. Okay. Name Molly. I can't buy that. <laughs> they filmed footage while making this movie of Michael escaping as and doing that whole thing, and we they use they use some of that footage in Resurrection. So the real question is, when does he get the mask back? Oh, that's right. He got. He comes back with a different mask. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna say between now and resurrection, he robbed another toy store and got another William Shatner mask. <sighs> it's always William Shatner. So why can't it be like Wesley Snipes? There, there's a lot of talk about how how much resurrection hurts this movie, because if we don't have the paramedic part, this is such a great ending for Michael. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. It's a great end of the series. But because resurrection came and showed us the whole paramedic thing. Now you it kind of cheapens this when you watch it because you're like, this would be the best ending if I knew this wasn't a paramedic. I still say it's the best ending. Just don't watch Resurrection. You have to eliminate Resurrection from the timeline, which unfortunately we're going to be reviewing that next week, so it's going to be hard for us to do it. Fuck. All right, categories. Categories. Best performance, Jamie Ronnie's wife. Oh, God. What? 
How do you have you stopped caring about the categories? You just try to get the most ridiculous answer possible now. The, the, she's can you literally give the, the best actual best performance? No, she is. She's literally the only entertaining part. <laughs> when it cut, every time she was on the phone with him, I was laughing. I was laughing. I was enjoying myself. Well, this movie needed comedy. She did provide it. But and yeah, as you said, uh, since this movie didn't really have the suspense, without comedy, the movie doesn't really do much. Back in the day, <laughs> we would have called a disqualification for giving best performance to like a cameo, basically. The answer obviously is Jamie Lee Curtis. She's clearly giving the best performance of. The she's series. disqualified. No, she's what? Why? Because she is the best performance <laughs> of the movie. All right, and we're going outside of her. You can't say Josh Hartnett. He only had one expression the whole movie. Ella Cool J. <laughs> the closest thing to comedy is probably Ella Cool J and his wife. So I'm gonna go with Ella Cool J. See, see, there, there you go. You chose Ronnie. I choose his wife. His wife actually had the funnies. All right, wor- worst performance. <laughs> Josh Hartnett. I, uh, it's, I didn't, I didn't like him here, but I love him in the faculty, and it feels like they're made the exact same. He's wearing the same clothes here he wears in the faculty. It feels like he's a, well, he's a, they're made in the same year, so it feels like the same thing. But I just like him a lot more in faculty. I like him a lot more in faculty, but that's also because he, ha- in my opinion, it feels like he has more personality, he has more of a reason. This one, what's his reason? He likes a girl. He's just there to argue with Lori about her past and like, stuff. Exactly. It's like, you is don't, there really a point to him even being there? You don't get enough with him and his girlfriend to develop them into a relationship that you care about. Maybe if he was in the ending instead of being driven away and it has Lori and him fighting Michael, probably would have been a little bit more impactful because at least then you'd have Michael seeing, oh, I have a nephew I have to kill now. What I don't understand as I think about it too, it's like, Remember how Lori like kind of realizes that Michael's probably after her? And they're at her house, her and the counselor. Yep. And it's kind of like, you know, he's like, well, how old were you when this happened? And she's like, 17. And she looks up and she sees that her son's 17. So she's making it seem like Michael's coming after her now because her son's 17. But to be fair, she huh? still doesn't even actually know Michael's even there until... She's, she's guessing that, but they make a big thing as if, like, Michael is coming for her son, basically. But yet he doesn't give a shit about his son. I guess she. I guess he does go after her to son, the son for sure, though. Just because he was there, and also because there is that connection. But but she. Only, I think he only knows that's his, her son because she he sees them at the. But I guarantee you, if he town. did go to Yosemite, does that mean Michael is now following him to Yosemite to kill him? No, he just got lucky. <laughs> he should have been at Yosemite. So <laughs> the odds that he's the only student, him and his friends, the only people left there, it's ridiculous. Like I said, Michael gets very lucky with his plan here, but did he care about the son? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. He was there for Lori. I think. Yeah. By the way, in Resurrection, we get no evidence that he then went after the son. So it's like... What was he, the point? He went back to his house, so he didn't really care about the son at all. So. Though, wasn't... Uh, I think the... Wasn't Josh Harden originally supposed to be back in Resurrection? I think they were going to do some mention of something with that, but... Hmm. There was no way they were going to actually get him back. He was a big star by that time. He wasn't going to do freaking Halloween Resurrection. Not after reading that script. <laughs> Hell no. Maybe to work with Buster Rhymes, but... Okay, what... Uh, let's see. Worst performance? Oh, best scene. Best scene. Uh, I'd have to go with the climax scene. Mm-hmm. Just because it's not really the best Michael or the strongest Michael. He's still... It's still a nice little ending for this character. Yeah. It would have been nicer if he was a little bit stronger, like he would have been in one and two. Yeah. But I'm just going to chop that up to his burn. He never got his burns treated right, and he got infected. Yeah. Um, Getting cold again? Yeah. I I like the opening scene a lot. Maybe because he's wearing the mask. Maybe mm-hmm. because... I just like the setting of it actually feeling like Halloween, like in the suburbs. I wish the whole movie took place in Langdon, Illinois, apparently. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I'm going to go with what you said. I think the ending is probably the most satisfying ending you can have in a Halloween movie. Okay. But worst scene. Worst scene. Um, LL Cool J being shot when he was originally Michael Myers. Because <laughs> it that just makes no fucking sense. Pretty badly done, I have to admit. Um, <laughs> let me see. Worst scene. You have too much to choose from. Yeah. 
I'm gonna go with the same scene we're <laughs> talking about because it's just it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. It's it, the one thing movie doesn't make any sense. Like I said, it's just why? Why did y'all have to do all that editing to make it look like Michael Myers was there when it was actually LL Cool J? Why did y'all think that was a good idea in the first place? I mean, you can have yeah. LL Cool J survive without being shot by a dumbass. This is true. This is very Could have had it where Michael Molly whops him with a knife and then walks away. Very true. You know, because Michael's obviously incompetent in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, is there something you would change, if you like? Michael. Yeah. I mean, I, I with how much we've been bitching about it, I think it would be a disservice not to say Michael. And this suffers from the same thing Halloween 4 had, where I like a lot about it, but if you could have put Curse Michael in Halloween 4 or Halloween H2O, you would have made the movie that much better with like an actual great Michael. Um Michael is he has so much screen time in this movie too. It feels like he's like all over this movie. Yeah. So you see him a lot. You see him too much actually probably. But whenever you see him it's just he becomes less and less intimidating as the movie goes on. Well, yeah, cuz you see him too much. And literally who did he, he only killed what? Two four people in this movie and they were all kids. Like really yeah. couldn't fight back. And most of it's off screen and yeah, most of it's kids and he he felt like he had a really sneak up on everybody. Like he just wasn't powerful. Give him a better mask, something. Just stupid eyes. Yeah, those, those eyes. Oh my gosh, it's like. <sighs> That's what I assume he's the sound he's making. All right, I'm gonna give my final thoughts. Okay, you give your final thoughts. So, what I like about the movie is I love Jamie Lee Curtis. The movie, I think everything with her is perfect. Her character has done perfect justice of how I think it probably would be. Um, I like the opening. I love the climax. Um, so with the characters, I would say like even the teen characters, like I don't dislike any of them. I think they all do a good job. There's not enough time with them, so they're not super well developed, but they're likable characters. I don't hate the characters by any stretch. I, I don't hate the counselor. I like LL. Um, so the characters are fine. I mean, they're, they're okay. Um, the negatives of this movie are that there's no gore at all, which is fine because that's Michael's MO from the first one. But there's no suspense. You don't have like those stalking scenes either. It's kind of just like not the movie's not scary at all. It doesn't even try to be scary. Um, so it kind of fails on the suspense side. Um, but the movie's entertaining. You can definitely watch it for sure. Um, watching them all back to back, I think. I think initially before watching all the series back to back, I probably would rank this a lot higher. But I think I probably enjoyed part four more, and I think I probably enjoyed part two more. Probably, I gave Curse like two stars. Purely entertainment-wise, I feel like this is probably like, I could probably rewatch Curse and have as much fun as I watch <clears throat> as watching this. I just hate the setting, man. I hate that that stupid California school setting. It doesn't feel like Halloween. It feels like it could have taken place any, any, any time of the year. You have a weak Michael Myers. You have no suspense. My brain's thinking two stars. I don't think it, I don't I can't go below two stars. I don't think it's a bad movie, and I feel like that'd be like saying it's bad to be going below two stars. So I want to give it credit because you, that end sequence is fantastic, and like I said, I do think Jamie Lee Curtis carries the movie to a higher level for sure. But there's definitely a lot of flaws here. But I do like it more than the new series. So I'm I'm gonna settle on two stars, and I think it does go very well with part one and two. That's like a trilogy. Um, but again, some of the some of the luster wears off when you think about resurrection and how it changes this whole ending. But I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two stars. Borderline two and a half, but I'm gonna go two. Okay. Well, for me, characters were fine. Uh, as Vic said, Jamie Lee Curtis definitely carried this movie. Michael was not Michael. It's Michael's Michael's little brother. I think <laughs> I I was gonna bring this theory up, but if this was a copycat killer like Roy from Friday the 13th, I wouldn't be surprised. It, it could be that. Michael's not intimidating. And honestly, as I've said before, I'll say it again. If your villain isn't intimidating, the movie isn't really all that intimidating. The movie isn't all that good. The suspense wasn't there for a horror movie. That's sad. Always sad without suspense. The mask, just the fuck. Oh, no, this movie definitely gets 
knocked down a peg or two, especially due to the fact that this school, nowhere in this town, if the town at least had the Halloween feel, but the school didn't, I, it would make more sense with how Lori is since she's the headmaster. But seeing as how even the town isn't dressed for Halloween, I don't like it. It's, it doesn't have that Halloween feel. The only reason I would watch this one again is just because I watched one and two, and this one does have a pretty satisfying ending for the character. Again, if you go for the fact that Michael was burned, didn't get his wounds taken care of, and so he's so infected, his brain is completely shot, and he's never been, hasn't been to a gym in years. And again, maybe maybe because I prefer Doc Loomis, I feel like I feel like part four goes to the one and two just as well as this one does. You could easily have the trilogy be one, two, and four. Mm. Honestly. So, overall, I'm actually going to give it a little lower than I expected to give it. And that's one and a half. Again, if you want to watch it just for the ending, that is fine. Movie is entertaining to an extent, but when you don't have suspense, you need I feel like you need the kills to make up for it. If you don't have the kills to make up for it, you need suspense. If you don't have either of that, might as well just make it a fucking comedy. At least then people can laugh at it. <laughs> Maybe a spinoff with Ellen and his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and then Michael's just sitting there in the background the whole time. He's like, can I take him yet? He's like, I'm going to kill him when he gets off the phone, but they never get off the phone. <laughs> right. just... I guarantee you, even when he was walking down the the trail, he was probably on like a cell phone. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to interrupt. Michael's like, I don't want to interrupt this one call. <laughs> it, it seems important. So I'm giving it a one and a half because even... It would be a two if maybe the music was as good, but there wasn't even really a hint of the Halloween music until the end. Yeah, it was... Um, I, I like this movie a lot more growing up than I do now, mm-hmm. although I still respect it. Like I said, I'm giving it two stars, but I can see... It's one of those movies, Probably it's probably pretty polarizing. I think some people probably rank it higher, like two and a half, three stars, mm. but a lot of fans I've seen rank it lower. It's really short, too. The movie's only like 80 minutes long. Once Michael gets in the school, the movie's about over. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And, and again, logically, like Michael's whole plan here doesn't make sense. So. <laughs> um, but speaking of terrible plots that don't make sense and terrible movies, next week we have Resurrection. As always, folks, you don't have to go home. You do got to get out of here. Find every resurrection you can find. Burn it alive so I won't be able to find it. So that way we can't review it. Can y'all do that for me? We had to do it. Wish us luck. Pray for our souls. Fuck.